day to be in the house of the Lord. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Well, come on in. It's time for church. It's good to have you. Our kids are up with us for worship today as it's uh, um, that fourth Sunday, and we got uh, Miss Kenzie's teaching down there today, so we're looking forward to kids' church. But we're glad you were here. Um, before we get going today, let me, just, let me just throw something out to you, just a reminder. When we come to church, we're not here to kind of go through the motions together. We're not here, well, you know, I just, it's just what I do. I go to church, and we sing some songs, and I, I interact with those songs a little bit, and then, then we give our offering, we listen to a message, then we, we go home and, and get about the business of our day. We're not here just to go through motions. We're here to experience and to encounter the living God who has saved us. Amen. That's why we come together. We come together because we believe. We don't, we don't come together because we have nothing else to do with our lives. And we don't come together because uh, uh, we're not busy or it's just, well, we come together because we are called out a people that are marked by God and a people who live in intimate relationship with him. That's why we come together. So we can be unified together, we can grow together, we worship together, we, we spend time in the Word together. So I encourage you today, I don't, you, you may be here and you may be tired this morning. I don't know. I know we had some kids at camp for a couple days. I know they're all tired. You may be tired this morning, or maybe your week wasn't the best. Maybe you had a good week. I don't know. But whatever is going on, let's just not go through the motions because we're here. Let's actually spend time and open our hearts and worship him together. Let, let's invoke his presence because we are people who are crying out to him today. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's worship together. Let's be with him. Let's see what God will do among us. I have expectation that he's going to be here today and he is going to do something in us. Amen? Amen. All right, so I'll stand up and, and spend time in worship today. Change my name forever free. I'm not the same. I think the man. 
Father. You are worthy of our worship, Father. You are worthy of our hands being lifted. You are worthy of our praise. He can change anybody's life. Hallelujah. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He made 
strong and his grace is free and good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change your life hallelujah 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 amen amen who can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years tell the past to disappear oh let me tell you about
one again. He is worthy of every song that we could ever sing. Worthy of every single breath that you can give. He is worthy of it. And he chose us first. And that is just, if you think about that, that is mind-blowing. That he chose you first. That he loved you first. And all your sin and all of your distractions and everything that you fell short on. He still said, come to me. I want you on my team. I want you to have eternal life. I'm preparing a place for you even now. So let's just sing that and believe it and mean it when we say that he is worthy of every song, worthy of every breath that we can bring, that we will live for him because he is good. And not because we owe him something, but because we want to love him, that we want to worship him.
good morning. It's good to have you today. Live streamers, by the way, it's good to have you watching with us this morning, whatever platform you're seeing us on. It's good to have you join us on Facebook, YouTube, or wherever you're watching us on. Always good to know we have an extended family of faith beyond what's here in the building. By the way, if you're watching uh, and you're local to us, we'd love to have you right here in the house. And there's, uh, the live stream does good for what its purpose is, but if you're local and you can be here, there's nothing like being in the family of faith. So come on out and be with us. I'd uh, love to have you with us. All right, tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can prep it. Got a little ring, I think. I feel like there's a feedback going on. Um, offering envelopes are available in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. So let's, uh, where's, where's Nathan at? Nathan, I'm a, Nathan, come on down. I might have Nathan pray over tithe and offering real quick. So, um, and then when Nathan's done praying, you can, you can bring it down to the offering bucket. Go ahead, go ahead and pray, Nathan. Father, we just thank you for, for your grace, God. We thank you for your provision over us, Lord, that uh, we have every reason to trust you, God, that you have never failed us and you never will. And God, I just pray that you would just bless every seed sown today, God, and let your gospel go forth to all the world. Amen. Thank you, Nathan. Bring something down if you have it. And while you're doing that, let me give some announcements real quick. Um, uh, today, Joy Fellowship was scheduled, but they're going to postpone it. So um, they'll meet again on our schedule the next month. So if you have questions about that, you can see Bill and Patsy, but uh, they're going to postpone Joy Fellowship today. Uh, don't forget, we're collecting school supplies for the uh, families of our church and, and any overflow that we have, that we'll, what comes in, we're going to give to your band of schools. But uh, school supplies are back there in the back. If you want to, you can take a picture of the list of things that we need. Go out and do some shopping and, and bring it and drop it off, and we'll distribute it uh, when school starts again, which I think is just in a matter of maybe three weeks or so. It's coming up pretty quick. So um, please bring those in so we can bless the families of our church with that. Um, Church-wide prayer begins again a week from tomorrow, okay? So uh, we, we took a couple months break uh, over the summer, but August the 1st, the first Monday of August, we're back for church-wide prayer. And we, we come together and pray every Monday from 6 to 7, and we believe uh, that obviously prayer is important, so we're a family of faith who prays together. And we not only obviously uh, are people of prayer when we're not here, but we want to be people of prayer when we are here. Amen. So, church-wide prayer every Monday from 6 to 7. Again, it starts back up next week. Um, let's see. Okay, I talked to parents about this a couple weeks ago. On August the 7th, uh, after church, there is a, an event at the Bakken's church called Aqua Grande. It's just this giant water event uh, that is available for uh, preschool up through fourth or fifth grade. So, uh, if you were in that meeting and you're thinking that you're going to send your kids to it, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. Please put a parent name on there so I can contact you about the number. Certainly, I need some parents to go along, but we kind of need to get a shot in the dark on how many kids may be coming. So we're going to load up a fishing pasture van and whatever else we need, go over, enjoy the event, and come back. So that's August the 7th after we are done with our church here. So please sign up the back for that and so we can get all that together. 
I think that's all I have. So if you have your Bibles, get them out. It's good to see you this morning. Um, and uh, certainly, uh, whenever we're in the middle of the summer and there's lots of people traveling, lots of things going on, when you know people aren't here, even if you know where they are, reach out to them and let them know that you miss them, okay? Because as a family of faith, we just want to stay connected in the middle of the, of the summer and the travels that are happening and everything that's going on. Go ahead and reach out to people that you notice the Lord puts on your heart and just let them know that uh, uh, you miss them and can't wait to see them back here at church. All right, the book of Jeremiah chapter number 31 is where we're going to start in just a few moments. But we've been in a series entitled The Images of Salvation. The Bible obviously presents to us a God who saves. And how many know that God does save? Amen. Amen. Uh, it presents to us the God who saves, and, and we see uh, this big picture story in the scriptures of God who makes because God is love and he creates. And certainly he makes this creature called man with a free will, right? Infused with a spirit for relationship, but man does with his free will what we know the story tells, he falls in sin. And that sin permeates all through mankind to the place that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But yet God is a God who saves, he just doesn't leave us, and he doesn't discard us. But then we see the stories of, of, of the scriptures with, with Abram, the calling, and the people of Israel, the elect, and then through them come salvation for the whole world, which is Jesus Christ, okay? And in the story of salvation is a story that we get to know God for who he is, all right? And it, God is a God of love, and because of that, he's a God of mercy, and in that is grace and all the things that come to our life, that unmerited favor of grace, because God simply wants to save not only humanity, but creation as a whole. That's what God is up to. And he's been up to it since the time of the plans of the beginning, and it's certainly leading us to Jesus Christ, and certainly Jesus, God in flesh, does the work of our salvation in finality. Okay? Now, images of salvation that you see in the Bible is just another way of saying there's a lot of different ways the Bible presents what it means to be saved or what salvation is. So there's descriptions, there's metaphors, there's analogies, there are parables, all these different things. Paint this big picture of what it means to be saved. So those that count themselves among those that are saved there's different ways that you can understand your salvation, and they all mean something to you. They're all, they're all important. So that's what we've been talking about, images of salvation, to give you a big picture of what it means to be saved. Now, a question I get a lot is, how do I know that I'm saved? Sometimes I don't feel like I'm saved. Am I really saved? And, and all these questions that come like that, what I want you to do is, in this series, I want you to find confidence in your salvation, what it means. That, that there's not a battle in your mind about your salvation. Or that God is not faithful to the things that he has said. Because he is. So salvation, and we've been talking about these different things. Salvation is one way of saying, I have been rescued. I have been delivered. 
okay? Delivered from sin and the wrath coming because of sin. I've been delivered from that, but I've been saved to abundant life and new life and true life in him. But part of my deliverance from sin is, is the aspect of, of redemption. You find that word in the Bible, redemption. Jesus is my redeemer. I have been redeemed, so I've been not only saved and delivered from something, but I've been saved too. I gained something, but that redemption came at a cost. The Bible says you've been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That's one way that Paul talks about the work of Jesus on the cross. His life was the ransom. His bloodshed was the ransom for our redemption. Another word we talked about was reconciliation. When, when you say, I'm saved, another way you can say it is, I have been reconciled. You find that word in the Bible. Reconciled means repaired and restored relationship. Where there was a breach in a relationship, it has been repaired and restored. Okay, different images of what it means to be saved. Now, the, the one I want to get at with you this morning is, is, is kind of one that threads a lot of it together. It's one, obviously, I think you're going to be familiar with. But I want to talk to you for a few moments about forgiveness. When you say, I am saved, you are saying, I am forgiven. So you can say, I'm saved, that means I'm redeemed. I'm saved, that means I've been rescued. I'm saved, that means I've been reconciled. I'm saved, that means I have been forgiven. And forgiveness indicates a release from guilt, and it goes back to reconciliation, an end to uh, a relational uh, issue or a relational breach. So if you're in a relationship with somebody, and something happened in that relationship where there's a breach of that relationship, what ultimately brings back proper relationship is forgiveness. Isn't that right? When somebody has wronged somebody else, ultimately for the relationship to be fully repaired, there has to be forgiveness involved. Right? And that takes somebody forgiving somebody else for something they have done, even if they can't completely correct what they have done. Isn't that correct? And often it is giving somebody something maybe they don't actually fully deserve. That's what forgiveness is. So my relationship with God is repaired and restored because forgiveness has happened. Now remember in that whole reconciliation business, we are reconciled to God. God is not reconciled to us. We're reconciled to him because we are the offending party in our sin. And God is the one who forgives us. We're reconciled to him. The unmerited favor of God is given to us, lost in our sin. Remember, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Romans chapter 5. That's God working this business of bringing forgiveness and offering forgiveness for those who are lost to bring reconciliation back to him. So forgiveness is big. And as I shared, uh, I shared frequently here, when I first finally gave my life to Jesus, one of the things that I really had to work out in my mind and my understanding was that he actually has forgiven me. 
and that there weren't things in my life that were sort of beyond his forgiveness. And that he's not holding it against me and holding it over my head, waiting for me to mess up just yet again. That he has absolutely, positively forgiven me. So when I say I'm saved, I have to say I'm forgiven. And I have to come into this full understanding and actual belief that I have been forgiven. Right? As we're reading in the book of Romans, I think, chapter 8. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What, what's that mean? That I am not condemned for my sin any longer. I don't bear the guilt of it. Why? Because he has taken it away. Therefore, why would I live in condemnation for something that he's dealt with? So I'm saved. That means I'm forgiven. So, long intro there, but... Jeremiah chapter 31, verse number 31. And, and we see the prophet Jeremiah begins to give voice to the coming of a new covenant, which Jesus is the one who brings the fulfillment of that. But Jeremiah 31, 31, I want to read this, then we're going to jump to Matthew 26. It says, Behold, the days are coming. A future thing is going to happen declares the Lord. In other words, this is the word of the Lord. This is the plan of the Lord. This is going to happen. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, as we know it, as it progresses here, this spills beyond the elect into the non-Jew. In other words, it's for everybody. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is, is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall one teach his neighbor and, and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. For the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For, watch this. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. You see that? Part of the work in this new covenant that the Lord is going to make happen, God is going to make it happen, is, is that he will remove their sin, remove their iniquity, and not only remove it, but he's not going to remember it anymore. That, that's something that you grab hold of and start to understanding forgiveness is, is not just God forgiving me, but he's not going to remember it anymore. That's the goodness of God that, that is working through the sinfulness of our life. He's going to forgive me, and not only forgive me, but he's not going to keep record of it. Isn't that amazing? Now, I, I know how we are. Right? Fool me once, yeah. Fool me twice, and mm, yeah, you know, you're not fool me anymore. And when we like to keep our marks on people. Well, this person burned me this many times, right? I was nice the first time. I was sort of nice the second time. Third time, I'm done. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? God not only forgives us, but he doesn't do that to us. Now, 
It is in our sin that we reap what we sow. And eventually God judges the world in wrath in accordance to sin. But the mess our sin gets us in is because of our sin. Isn't that right? But God desires not only to forgive us of our sin, but our forgiveness is, is setting free from sin so we don't live in our sin any longer. So not only God forgive us and, and doesn't remember it anymore, he wants that cycle of sin to break in our life, to be free from sin. But watch the fulfillment, fulfillment of Jeremiah chapter 31. So Matthew 26. So that's new covenant prophesied. Here here's, comes the fulfillment of that. Matthew 26 and verse 28. And this is Jesus at the, at the Last Supper, right before his crucifixion. And certainly his, his body crucified, his bloodshed. And he's talking about the giving of the bread and, and the taking of the cup. So picking up mid-sentence, mid-thought. For this is my blood, the blood of Jesus, of the what? Of the covenant, new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So when we talk about the crucifixion of Jesus and the blood being shed, and certainly we have the resurrection and, and the finality that things happen in his ascension. In the blood of Jesus, we find the forgiveness of our sins. Because, again, redemption, there's a ransom, a price that is paid, and that is Jesus himself. God offering himself in the fulfillment of the law and the prophets to be what's necessary for our forgiveness. Again, this demonstrates how much God loves us. You can't, you can't get away from the love of God when you understand what he does to have right relationship with you. Again, he has always taken these steps necessary to bring us into right relationship with him. Amen. It's something he desires, something he wants, something he calls us to. Because remember, this is the verse we keep referencing in this series. John chapter 129, you don't have to turn there. Remember John the Baptist, he's the forerunner of Jesus. Remember his proclamation, a revelation of Jesus as he proclaims, look, he sees Jesus and he says, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the what of the world? Sin. See, his whole business of God writing the world, he has to deal with sin that caused it all to go wrong. Jesus is the Lamb of God who goes to a cross in sacrifice to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And the finality of the entire thing is fully defeated when he raises from the dead, and sin and death, which death is the result of sin, is defeated in the fullness of new creation. As Jesus walks out of that tomb, I know we say this here a lot, but I need you to catch this in your mind. When Jesus walks out of the tomb, new creation, new body is physically on this earth. Amen. This is the work of God that we're seeing. So Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus comes 
He inaugurates the kingdom of God and his teaching and his actions with the miracles and, and, and how he's de dealing with the demonic. But the direction of his life, his purpose, as God in flesh is headed toward this cross in order so we could have forgiveness of our sins. So when John the Baptist in Revelation cries out, that man right there, that person, that is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is declaring and he's highlighting the sacrificial atoning work of Jesus on the cross. That's new covenant. The new covenant is enacted in the work of Jesus on the cross and certainly then with his resurrection. 1 John chapter number 2. Let's turn there. 1 John chapter number 2. And verse number 2. Talking about Jesus. Jesus, he is the propitiation for our sins. Now that word right there, propitiation, it means atoning sacrifice. You, other translations just actually put the word sacrifice there. He is the sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The work of Jesus on the cross is for the forgiveness, God forgiving our sins and remembering them no more. That's the work of the cross. As we were in, in Hebrews the last time, chapter 9, 22, you don't have to go there. But remember... It talks about the shedding of blood. The book of Hebrews is dealing with not only the, the sacrificial aspect, but Jesus is the high priest. That without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So we have an old covenant. We have this whole sacrificial system, right? Where they're sacrificing animals, and there's different sacrifices and things happening. But Hebrews tells us that the blood of all that that was being shed could not fully do the deal. It was a foreshadow. But Jesus comes in a final sacrifice for our forgiveness. So Acts chapter 10. I want, I want to read a little bit of a passage here to, to make a point. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 34. Peter preaching the good news. And watch what Peter does. We're, we're going to read... I think down through verse 43. So 10 verses here. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. And, and Peter's dealing with non-Jews, Gentiles. It's just after he has the vision of his sheep being let down with the different animals and, and, and being told to go eat. And we're seeing the enacting of a new covenant being played out in the book of Acts. So God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news and peace through Jesus Christ, and he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God 
was with him. That, that is the enacting, the inauguration of the kingdom of God. And we are witnesses of that, that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, but they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him appear not only to, to, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now watch this. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And to all the prophets bear witness that everyone, watch this, who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. So we have Jesus enacting a new covenant through his, his death on the cross and certainly then his resurrection. And from that time forward, forgiveness is proclaimed in the name of Jesus. So to be one who walks in the forgiveness of God, he not only forgives me, he wipes me clean, but then remembers it no more. It happens in the name of Jesus. When you preach the good news of Jesus, you must preach with it the forgiveness of sins. We don't just proclaim, we don't just go out there and say, hey, the world's sinful. I just want you to know you're sinful. You're sinful. You, you, that's, not what, that's not our purpose. Our purpose is not just to tell people how sinful they are. Our purpose is to proclaim the good news of Jesus to a sinful world. But the good news of Jesus is God has come to bring peace between him and mankind, and that happens because of the forgiveness of sins. Listen, you literally can't be a Christian and make this statement, well, I have nothing to be forgiven for, so I have nothing to ask forgiveness for. You know that. You hear things like that out there. I don't need forgiven. Okay, Jesus, I don't know, maybe he was a good teacher. Maybe he said some nice ethical things. Be nice to other people. That's not bad, you know? No, no, Jesus comes to ultimately bring the work of the cross to our lives for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You, me, the person sitting next to you, all the people you see on the street, everybody needs to come into the forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not an axe murderer. I've never hacked anybody up with an axe. Okay? There have been people in history that have. Bad people. Don't do that. It's not good, right? We want to categorize. Well, they need forgiveness, but since I've never done that, then I don't need forgiveness. No, no, no. Everybody needs the forgiveness of God to bring restored relationship, reconciliation. That's what the work of the cross ultimately is about, to deal with our sin problem. Hebrews chapter 10 Let's read another little bit of a, a passage here. Hebrews chapter 10. And verse number 1. And this will, this will get a little bit into that Jeremiah passage. It brings it forward here. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 1. For since the law 
has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of the realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continued to offer every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would, they would not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any conscience of sins. But in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of, of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, and this is quoting from Psalm 40, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sin sacrifices you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And when he said the above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, and these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first, old covenant, in order to establish the second, new covenant. And by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all. What is offered for us for the forgiveness of our sins? The body of Jesus. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by being a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us at, for after saying, and, and here's where we read at the end of Jeremiah, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins no more and their lawless deeds no more. For where there is the forgiveness of these, there is no longer offering for, for any offering for sin. So Jesus brings a fulfillment to all those things, a once-and-done final work. It's utterly complete. You know that. There is no need for any reason of sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus did the final deal. So when he ascends into heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father, it's very symbolic of saying it's done. It's over. It's complete. No more work needs to be done, but now it's a response of faith to believe and receive what he has done. Amen. But watch, watch a result of this. I like this. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now, why do we enter by the blood of Jesus? What was the problem between God and man? Sin. What takes care of sin? The blood of Jesus. So by the blood of Jesus, we have confidence to be that close with God, a holy place which only certain people were allowed to enter before. It is opened up for anybody who would believe. 
Verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that's talking about the Holy of Holies when he died, that big thick curtain was split in two, symbolic that is now open for anyone to enter. That is through his flesh, again, the body of Jesus on the cross. And so since we have a great high priest, again, Jesus, over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You see the confidence you have to be in intimate relationship with God right there? Again, it goes back to something we said last time or a couple weeks ago. When it comes to God, you don't have to take the temperature of his mood before you can be with him. By the way, if you're that way, you need to change, but that's a side note. So people shouldn't have to wonder your mood before they talk to you. I don't have to wonder if I'm acceptable to God today. I don't have to wonder, I don't have to do some sort of consulting. Hey, anybody else pray today? Is God in a good mood? Did anybody check in with him today? Is he angry at, at somebody and then he's going to take it out on me? You don't have to check. You don't have to do any side work. You come to him in full confidence that you are accepted in an intimate relationship because Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. His blood and the forgiveness of our sins removes the issues that I had intimate relationship with God. I'm forgiven. Completely forgiven. 1 John 1, 9. Let's go there. We'll close with this. 1 John 1, 9. Let's just restate who this is available for. First John 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see that? Who? Anyone who would believe. See, Jesus is faithful. In other words, when you see, uh, especially in Paul's writing, he uses the word righteousness, that carries a connotation of covenant faithfulness. That God will always work the fullness of the covenant faithfulness. Now, in other words, he's going to work the plan to completion. Jesus, in his faithfulness, he's faithful to fulfill what he said he would. He's faithful and he's just. In other words, he will always do what is right. He is faithful and he has just cleansed us. See, if you, if you cleanse something, you are taking out all of the impurities, right? So, so I, own, I own this, uh, uh, which is about this big, it's called a survival straw, about that thick, right? So somebody got it for me. Uh, I, I've never had to really actually use it. It's just a thing to have, I guess. So, so if I'm out hiking somewhere, and let's say I've run out of water, 
and I need something, and there's some, some sort of a stream trickling down, it's not a good idea to just start drinking that. You know that? Bad idea. But with the survival straw is, if you stick this thing down there and, and, and you use it like a straw, it's supposed to take out all the impurities by the time it gets in your mouth. So I'll end up with some sort of disease or gut thing happening to me, and then it's over, right? You're cleansed in such a way that all the impurities of your life are removed. I'm cleansed. All, from, from what? Everything that is not counted as righteousness. Jesus does that work. Can I earn it? Nope. Does it make me perfect? Nope. But in the eyes of God, I am declared righteous because of the blood of Jesus. That's justification. Cleanse me. He cleans me. I thought about doing this, I totally forgot. I was going to have a whiteboard up here with all sorts of sins listed on it. Hopefully nothing that, that you do, but it would have been on here, all right? And that, that whole situation of Jesus cleansing us, it would take in that, that eraser and just wiped it completely clean. Where it's the sparkling white there. Cleansed from all unrighteousness. That is my state in my forgiveness. And in all that stuff that was on the board, he remembers it no more. He casts it as far as the east is from the west. Amen. That's my state before God. I am saved. That means I'm forgiven. Do you, do you believe that? Now, now, why are you holding things against yourself that he doesn't hold against you? Why do you do that? When there's no condemnation in him, why are you still bringing condemnation to yourself? Or why are you allowing the devil to chirp in your ear that you're still guilty or you're not good enough or God really hasn't forgiven you? Why are you doing that? Or why are you allowing somebody to constantly bring up your past? My past is not me anymore. I, I, I told you this a little bit ago, and I listen, you know me, but you don't know my former me. You know me since I've been in the process of living discipleship with Jesus, but you don't know the me before I've been saved, and I don't necessarily like to talk about that guy. That's not me. I've been forgiven, cleansed, and God has relieved me of it. So, so sometimes people share a good testimony, and they, they, that's fine and dandy, but I hear some people sometimes, even in a joking manner, bring up how people used to be, and I'm just like, don't do that. That's not them. Quit bringing their past to their present. They, they've gone beyond. They've moved. God has done a work in them. Don't, 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 don't take their mind back there. Don't open up the opportunity for the enemy to get in there and weasel around about stuff like that. That's not you. You've been forgiven. So I walk and I, I learn in, in living with Jesus what it means to live this new life because my old life has been taken care of. I'm thankful. Because I know when I stand before God someday, and this, this is how far my understanding of forgiveness has to take me, that when I stand before God someday in account for my life and what I have done, he's not going to bring up stuff that I've been forgiven of. He is faithful and he is just. Now I'm glad. It'd be a laundry list of stuff. I would be mortifyingly embarrassed 
of that list. I, I, I think we get this idea of the judgment throne of God. You got all of creation, everybody's sitting there, and he pulls you out in front of everybody. Makes you turn around and face everybody. Let me tell you about this guy. He did this, and he did this, and he did this, and you're just going, oh, my goodness, I'm so embarrassed. You want to crawl under the, the nearest rock you can find, but you can't find one up there. You're just like, what in the world? He's not going to do that. He calls you righteous. Yes, there's a judgment for our action, but in the forgiveness of our sin, we stand. That's the blood of Jesus. Do you believe that you're forgiven? So I might say, I'm saved. Now say, I'm fully forgiven. Now let's do it again. I'm saved. I'm fully forgiven. One more time for the Holy Ghost. I'm saved. I'm fully forgiven. Amen. We're going to take communion today. So guys, ushers, if you'll help me out and bring it down. As we take communion today, um, you don't have to partake. It's nothing required, but if you wish to partake this morning, you may. Thank you, gentlemen. The broken body of Jesus on the cross blood being shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Notice in the book of Hebrews that we read that the yearly sacrifice was a constant reminder of their sin, right? Jesus said, now do this in remembrance of me because it's the constant reminder I've been forgiven. And it is in this work of the cross that I stand. I'm in the grace of God. It's, it's, again, it's not a free for all to live how I want, but it is a life that learns how to follow him. A life justified but living sanctified that I follow him. And this right here is the key to the entire thing. What Jesus did for so if, if you desire to partake of communion today, if you would, stand your feet. Please come down the middle, middle and kind of filter around the sides for us.
I know, I know when it comes to taking communion together, we kind of fall in a pattern of every other Sunday almost. It's not perfect like that. We don't really have some big rhyme or reason to a pattern. It just kind of falls into every other Sunday. But this should never be cliche to you. Again, what I was saying at the beginning of the service, that we don't do these things to go through the motions. Now, when we do take time to do this, that you do remember and call to your mind and your heart what he has done for you and what that means for you. This right here, though it happened 2,000 years before my life, is the greatest moment of my life and the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. That the blood of Jesus shed on that cross will wipe me clean and make me whole and remember no more. I don't know about you, but again, I'm so thankful. I, can, I cannot repay God for his work for me, but what I can do is remember and live for him. I can learn what it means to pick up my cross and follow. I can learn what it means to persevere and, and do this whole long-term discipleship. I, I can do that. And the amazing thing is that he helps me do it. I mean, he never stays apart from me in this whole thing. Even in all that, he helps me do it. That's how great our God is. So, so we, before we partake, if you're, if you're standing here and there's sin in your life, active sin, willing sin, and you're aware of it, I'm going to give you a moment to repent of your sin. That, that passage in 1 John, if, if, if we confess our sin, in other words, we repent, we openly declare that I have sinned. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no shame in coming to Jesus with what he came to deal with in your life. You know that? There's no shame. He came. He knows. Take it to him. Give it to him. Let him be who he is. So Lord, Lord, we... Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me my sins. And for anybody who's crying out, Lord, in, in repentance, that you do hear them. And we know you do. And I pray there's a work of God in their life and those very things they're repenting of that brings freedom to them. They're not just forgiven, but they're entirely, completely set free. And that sin or those sins are no longer active and and. and bringing bondage to their life. The freedom found in you. New man come. New creation being worked out. We thank you for that. Lord, we partake of your body. Thank you so much for being obedient to death, even death on the cross, as it says in Philippians chapter 2. That you paid the wage of sin and death and you did it as the Lamb of God God presenting himself as the sacrifice for our sins we thank you so much for that work and we partake of the bread and remembrance of it 
partake together. And Lord, this cup representing the blood that was shed for our forgiveness. Lord, Lord, this, this work of forgiveness in your blood, it's a deep cleaning. It splashes down all the way to the deepest, darkest corners of our life. Thank you. Thank you that when we respond in the faith that is born in us and hearing about you, in our confession, in our repentance, there's nothing left unturned in our life. But you've made me an entire new creation. Thank you. Thank you for caring for each one of us so much that you wanted that. take of this, this cup this morning, we do it in remembrance of your shed blood for the new covenant for the forgiveness of our sins. Partake together. So I'm gonna do, I want to close with two things today. The first is uh, this little song that we put together called Jesus is All. It's a simple song but it's about the preeminence of Jesus. Maybe sing this song together a couple times through and worship together. But as we're closing up today, the last song we sang in our worship talked about these burdens of life and, and giving them over. If, you, if you're carrying a, a heavy burden today, I'd love to pray with you before you leave. So as we finish up this song, if you would just come down, I'd love to spend time with you and pray before you head out the door today, okay? So, but let, let's, let's just worship together for a couple of moments before we go. A shining light, an open door, a healing touch. Jesus is all. Freedom's called.
now but please come forward so we can pray with you we'll see you wednesday we have a worship night wednesday night by the way so come out and spend some time worshiping together for an extended period but uh take a break from romans amen uh, but if you need prayer this morning want prayer please come forward we'll see you wednesday night next sunday bring some friends out it's wonderful to see you today have a very blessed blessed week